So, wow, it just seems like a few uh, days ago we were starting this sermon series, and now we're uh, wrapping it up. And I tell you, uh, we've learned a lot in this sermon series. I've learned a lot in this sermon series. And that God, how he just wants to partner with you and I. That this partnership with God begins that moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and he gives us what we need, right? And what we need at that moment of salvation is we need salvation. We need the forgiveness of sin, man. That God is the provider. He meets our needs, and he, he meets the ultimate need in our lives, and that's forgiveness of sin, salvation, a, a brand new heart and a brand new life. And the Bible says that his name is Jehovah Jireh, the provider, that God is the provider. And regardless of what it is that we might have as a need, uh, he is the provider. And another word for provider is source. He's the source of everything that we need. You might be tired in this place tonight. God is the source to renew and give you that uh, refreshing. You might be going through it tonight. Uh, you might be like, man, I'm weak, but God is your strength. He's the source. And you know what the blessing is, is that God doesn't say like, hmm, how can I figure this one out? Uh, you know, let me borrow this from this person so to give you what you need. It comes from him in abundance, the Bible says. And we can count on God that no matter what it is we're going through, whatever struggle, whatever need we have, uh, he is able to meet that need. I read this article. It was written back in 2017. It was uh, in the Huffington Post, okay? And it was a survey that was entitled, The Top 10 Things People Want in Life But Can't Seem to Get. Right? And I, I read it because it, it, uh, it grabbed my attention. I said, that's a horrible way to title um, uh, um, an article. The Top 10 Things You Want in Life But You Can't Seem to Get It. And so I said, you know, let me, let me see what it is that, re that the survey was about. And what they did was they interviewed roughly a thousand individuals, mostly professionals, and they asked them a series of questions in regards to life and careers. And they asked them one key probing question, and it was, if you could say in one word what you want more in life, what would that be? And it was interesting, some of the things that they said, starting with number 10, they said passion. They want more passion in their lives. And a lot of this had to do with their careers. Uh, but, uh, as we read on, we see that, that their careers and their lives, how intertwined they were. And stability. They're talking about stability, that uh, many people felt that they were unstable, that there was no security. Some people said confidence, fulfillment, balance. Many people couldn't balance career and personal life, and they felt uh, unfulfilled. This one really piqued my interest. They said joy. Many people want joy but can't seem to get it. Peace was another one. They said that, that they wanted peace but couldn't see Peace constantly seemed to elude them. Freedom, money, or financial security. And the number one thing that people wanted more than anything but couldn't seem to get was happiness. And I think about what a commentary between the world and Christianity, between the world and the things of God, that the world is acknowledging 
We want these things, but we can't have it. We, we want peace. We want joy. We want freedom. We want security. But they just can't seem to grasp it. Whereas in Jesus, we have peace. In Jesus, we have security. In Jesus, we have joy and fulfillment and freedom and all of these things. And the world would lie and deceive and say, we got what you want. We got what you need. But no, we got to tell the world. We got to tell the enemy. It's found in Jesus. What we want, uh, what we desire ultimately is found in Christ Jesus. And we can give him glory for that. Uh, we can praise him for that. And we could say, thank you, God, that everything I want is found in you. I've entitled this message, Together I Can Feel Secure. And if we can pray for this uh, evening's message. Father, we thank you tonight, God, that everything Lord, we could possibly want, Lord, is found in you, Father God. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you, O oh Lord. Help us uh, that we would not wander, Lord, and be, let our hearts become divided. But, Lord, let it just be steadfast, kept on you, God. I ask and pray that tonight you would encourage your people, that tonight, Lord, you would stir us, God, that tonight, Lord, we would hear your voice, Father God. And I ask and pray that right now, Father God, you would continue that work that you've started in so many hearts and so many lives, my God. Lord, we come against every lie of the enemy, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We all say amen. And I don't know why my Spotify just started, but I'm going to turn that off. I apologize. <laughs> it's a good song. I give myself away. That was weird. Anyhow, book of Matthew. Chapter 6, verses 19 and 34. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own trouble of its own. I know it's a good long portion of Scripture, 
but it's so relevant to today and it's so relevant to what's going on and what we're experiencing right now. If you watch the news, if you're up with current events, uh, it, you can see that we're in some uncertain times, right? We just, in a year, we just seen the whole world get maybe just, just shaken and rattled, right? And in less than a couple of weeks, our whole economy came to a, a, a closing halt. And thank God we're starting to see a pickup. And thank God he's, uh, he's always been with us and he's kept us. And, and thank God for what he's doing. But there's still a lot of uncertainty that sometimes people might feel. There's uh, uh, an understanding that uh, what we have right now really could be gone tomorrow, right? And you're saying, Brother Man, you're supposed to be encouraging me. Don't worry, I, I will be. Read another article recently this month. It was in Money Talks magazine, and it was listing a number of shortages. Okay, can you believe it? There's, a, there's a lot of shortages. Fiberglass, there's a shortage of fiberglass. Bicycles, boats, pickle jars, aluminum cans, homes. Right now there's a shortage of homes. Pet food, lumber. And if you've been to Home Depot late, lately, you know that the price of lumber has gone up. Cars, new, used, and rentals. There's a shortage of, of cars. There's a Shortage of microchips. I was watching this uh, internet uh, uh, news story. I was talking about Ford in Kentucky. They have thousands and thousands of F-150s just sitting in their parkways and speedways. And the reason is, is that there's a microchip uh, semiconductor shortage. And so they can't drive unless they have that microchip. And, and if, you, if you own a new car, you know that it's... it's all computer now, right? It, it's the mechanics is the mechanics, but it's basically ran by a computer. And there's a microchip uh, uh, shortage. Blood and oxygen, there's a shortage of that. This is going to really uh, interest you. Bacon, hot dogs, and chicken wings. They're saying that there's a shortage of bacon, hot dogs, and chicken wings. We're going to see lines at Costco tonight. And gas. There's a shortage of gas. We, we've been seeing that in the news lately. See, Jesus understood that it's human nature's tendency to put their trust in security in what is seen, in what is temporal, and what we can touch or, or feel, right? Uh, and he understood that uh, our, our nature is uh, that we want to put security in what we can see, right? And this is why he was saying uh, that, look, it, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because we know that uh, economies will go up and economies will go down. We know that earthly kingdoms will rise and earthly kingdoms will fall. And, and, and what Jesus was saying is that if you're putting your trust in these things, if you're putting your faith uh, in these things, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Because as something goes up, it'll eventually come down. And Jesus is saying... What is it that you're looking at? What is it that you are, are putting your, your trust and reliance on? He says, for where your heart is, there your or for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts have a way of revealing who we are, right? The Bible says that 
that uh, out of the uh, abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, out of, the, out of what's in the heart are the issues of life. And Jesus is saying that your heart will be tethered to what you cherish. Your heart will be tied to what you place value on. Your heart, your life will, will remain close to what you consider your treasure. If you value the things of God, then your heart will be there. But if you value the things of this world, and if you value the material, and if you value earthly treasures, the Bible is saying, then your heart will be tied to that treasure. We got to ask ourselves, what do you treasure? Or what do I treasure? What, what are we pursuing? What is our treasure? Treasure defined in Merriam-Webster Dictionary is one, Wealth of any kind or in any form, such as money or jewels or precious metals, stored up or hoarded, buried or reserved. Another definition for treasure is something of great worth or value, also a person esteemed or as, as rare or precious. There's two definitions here, and Jesus is making the distinction between the two is... Because he's saying what, what you value, you're ultimately going to pursue. If you value the world, you're going to pursue the world. And many of us, prior to Christ, we pursued the world. We pursued the things of the world, the riches of the world, whatever the world had to offer, we pursued it. To, and we came to a place in our lives where we realized it was only making us miserable. It was leaving us empty and unfulfilled, and it was leaving a void and a gap within our lives. And we came to a place, uh, many of us here who, who are born-again believers, that said, I no longer want this world or pursuing the world. I want Christ. I want God. I want the things of God. I, I want the satisfaction in knowing that I know God and my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you value people, you'll value the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is made up of people. The heartbeat of God is people. This is a church that believes that. This is a church that seeks after uh, the community. How can we reach out to them? How can we let them know that there is a, a Lord in heaven that loves them and, and, and wants to be a part of their lives? When you make the kingdom of God your treasure, when it becomes valuable to you, when it becomes your priority, then coming to church becomes a priority to you. Coming to outreach becomes a priority. Men's discipleships or women's meetings uh, all become a priority. When I was a new convert, they used to say, just get through the doors. Just get through the doors. Something so simple, right? And, and sometimes midweek, right, long day of work, stuck in traffic all day, and you're just like, man, I would just much rather just stay home, right? But there's something inside of you that says, come on, get through the doors, man. There's something inside of you that says, come on, come into the house of God. And you come into the house of God, and you might come tired. Uh, you might come a little uh, just weary. But as soon as that drummer starts hitting that beat and the band starts worshiping, man, something begins to take place, right? You start to forget about everything that has gone on throughout the day, and you just begin to worship God. You begin to bask in the presence of the Lord. Jesus, he warned about putting your security or your trust in earthly treasures. 
Because what's of this world can and will eventually disappear, wither away, or be destroyed. He listed three things, moths, vermin, and thieves, right? Moths and vermin, you know what they do? They eat away things. You ever get moths in your closet and all of a sudden your shirt has a hole in it, right? You know, or vermin, what do they do? They eat anything and everything. Whatever's in your pantry, the wiring up in the attic, it doesn't matter. They can get to it. They'll eventually eat away at it and destroy, and destroy it. And, you know, just like rust. What is rust? Rust just, is, just eventually eats away at, at metal. I have a 75 El Camino. I'm proud of it. No one else is. And the reason why is because it literally is a bucket of rust, right? It has no floor. I have street signs as my floor, right? None of my kids, except my son, wants to be seen in that. But at one point, that 75 El Camino was shiny and new. At one point, it came out of the dealership, and someone said, that's the car for me. And, you know, 46 years later, again, nobody wants it. Thieves, not even the thieves. Right, we put cameras and alarms on our cars, right? And we understand that, uh, you know, that sometimes, you know, people will, will, will take what doesn't belong to them. My, my coworkers always telling me, Manny, trust in God, but lock your doors, right? And I understood why he was telling me that, because we drive these little utility carts, and he says, man, them tools, you leave them out, they won't be out much longer. They'll walk away. And he's always telling me that. And I always crack up and that um, he lets me know that uh, we, we do. We like our defenses. Uh, we like our financial systems and our economies and our investments. And we think that it's, this is what gives us peace of mind. We think that this is what makes us feel secure. We think that this is what is going to get us through the hard times. But at any minute, and we're witness to it, things can change. Back in 1929, it was the great stock market crash which put this country into a depression. In 1987, there was a, another one-day crash. 2008, we had a, another crash which put us into what was called the Great Recession. And then even this past year in February, we had uh, the stock market crash of 2020. Book of Proverbs 23, chapter four, Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5. It says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I always imagine that emoji, the stack of bills with wings. You know what I'm talking about? My, our, my kids are, are, are all getting older, and they're experiencing, um, um, I don't want to say financial independence because they're not there yet. Uh, my oldest is, but the two younger ones, they're learning, right? And so we want to help them out as much as we can. And sometimes, um, you know, they're both driving now, and sometimes they're cars, if you own a car, you know that uh, maintenance is due and things happen. And, 
And it just seems like for a while that uh, if it wasn't one, it was the other. There was an issue with the car. And I would always text my wife, like, that particular emoji, like, there it goes, man. You know, there it goes. Our security doesn't come from what money can buy. Our, our security and what makes us secure, not feel secure, but what makes us secure, because there's a difference, comes from our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. It's because his economy isn't based on the world's economy. Book of First Timothy, chapter 6, verses 17 and 19. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What Timothy is telling us here is, is understand where our priorities should, should be. It's to understand that there are certain things that wealth will never be able to purchase. I'm going to give you four. Money can buy medicine, but it can't buy health. Money can buy a bigger house but it can't buy a home. Money can buy an expensive watch, but it cannot buy time. Money can buy acquaintances, but it cannot buy love. The Beatles had it right, right, when they said, can't buy me love. And that's so true, that these things that I listed, money can buy these things, but when it comes down to it, uh, you know, you, you can have all the money in the world, but if your home is suffering, there's no peace to enjoy that. And you can buy a Rolex and whatever other expensive watch there is out there, man, but time flies. We're going to be celebrating next month the graduation of our senior class. My son happens to be a part of it, and it's blowing my mind away that this event is taking place because it seemed like just yesterday he was going into kindergarten. You know, time, it moves so fast. And, 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 and you know what? Uh, Money can buy acquaintances and an entourage. But it will never buy the love, Mac, that can only come from Christ. It can never buy or purchase the love and the fulfillment that the love of God gives you and I. The love and the pursuit of the love of money and the pursuit of money for money's sake, what it'll do, it'll distract us away from the true riches that we have in Christ. Because we're rich in Christ. We're blessed in Christ. We're abundantly wealthy in Christ. Man. We're in the house of God tonight. And what a blessing to be here. There's a story in the Bible about the rich fool. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 16 and 21. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man... A certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, 
This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be that whoever stores up, for th stores up things for themselves, but not rich towards God. Jesus, he spoke this parable because a crowd was coming around Jesus and these two brothers came to Jesus and they were fighting over an inheritance. And they began to say, Lord, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And what was meant to be a blessing in their lives became a curse in their lives. What was meant to bring them together was drawing them and pulling them apart. And Jesus says, I'm not going to get involved in your family dispute. And he begins to lay down this uh, parable about finances and how deceptive and deceiving these things, these uh, material wealth can be. And, and I'm not knocking material wealth. Listen, okay? What I am trying to do is get us to a place of understanding its place. It's, its place in our lives. God should be at the helm of everything we do. And everything needs to fall in its place under, under God. And so if you are blessed, and if you are well off financially, praise God for that, man. God has been good. We just need to understand its place in our lives. This rich fool, he was a fool because he failed to remember that his abundant harvest, it came from God, and that God should be honored with it. We honor God with our finances. We honor him with the tithe and with the offering. We, we give back to God because we understand that it is God who blessed us. And this individual, this rich fool, forgot who it was that blessed him. And he began to look at his resources and said, I'm set. It was his retirement plan. And he was forgetting God and he was forgetting the priority that God needed to be in his life. J.D. Rockefeller he was, in his time, a titan of his industry in the industrial age, Standard Oil. He's one of the men that built America. He was uh, the um, Jeff Bezos of his time, right, in terms of wealth. And he said this, if your only goal is to get rich, you'll never achieve it. If your only goal in life is to get rich, because you'll never achieve it. He understood that more would never be enough that more would never be enough, and that if your pursuit was just that, it would create in you an insatiable appetite that would never be filled and would never fulfill you. We need to, again, ask ourselves another question, that is, what am I focused on? What is it that I'm focused on? Family or spouse, education, career, ministry, hobbies, all these things are good. All these things are good, and they do require a, a level of attention. But we can't put our faith or our security, pardon me, in these things. Again, it's everything that has to have its place. And, and when our priority is wrong and where our priority is shifted, uh, then we take our priority off of God and the things of God, and we take our eyes off of God. 
And that's a dangerous place to be. That's what happened to this individual. He let what he had distract him away from the things of God. What you place first in your life, you will ultimately serve. In verse 22 of our text, or 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We do need finances. We need finances to live. We need finances to pay the bills. We need finances to meet the necessities, right? Uh, but we should be careful that we manage the finances that the Lord gives us biblically. That it has its place and that we, it, it be a servant to us and not us be a servant to money. I like what Dave Ramsey said, right? He said, earning a lot of money is not the key to prosperity. How you handle it is. And there's times where the finances might be stretched a little thin, right? Where it seems like the cars are all breaking down at the same time or kids need this or that or the other. And just always something kind of just pulling at you. And, and, and it just seems like, wow, you know, the finances are getting hit a little thin this, this, this month or this week or whatever it might be. What I always do is when I see that is I always stop and evaluate. Is my giving consistent? Am I paying my tithe? Am I giving offering? Am I allowing my finances to be used in the kingdom of God? And if I answer yes to these questions, if I say I'm giving, we're releasing, we're, we're allowing God to challenge us, then I just step back and say, God, it's, our finances are covered. We're just going through it. But God, I know that you're going to meet the need. And I know, God, that you're going to turn it around. And God, I know that these resources are, are covered. They're, they're, because there's a priority that's, that's being uh, placed. And that priority is God. The Bible teaches us not to worry. Right? In verse 25, it says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 27, it says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The answer is no, right? When we partner with, the, with God and with his Holy Spirit, he begins to reveal in us areas in our lives that might either hinder us or stop the flow of God at work in our, in our lives. And, and he's partnering with us because he's saying, look, I'm shining a light on something right here. Let's deal with this so that uh, the flow of God, the blessing of God, the presence of God can flow uninterrupted in our lives. It's because there's a love that God has for us, and he understands that sometimes as his children, we might get distracted or diverted. And he, he says, look, it, let's deal with this. Let's deal with this so that you can be blessed. It's like a river. A river is constantly flowing. Unless that river is dammed and that water begins to stop. And what ends up happening is that water can become stale or stagnant. And those that are depending on that water down the stream, they're now being robbed of what that river provides. We got to make sure that we allow God to just flow through us and bless through us. 
This is a church that believes in the harvest, right? They believe in the mission field. This is a church that uh, I'm so proud to be a part of because it's always investing into lives. Whether they're young or old, whether they're in the house of God or outside of these four walls, the priority is the people of God and what God wants to do in the lives of people. You know what worry does? Absolutely nothing. It does nothing for the life of a believer. The Bible says it's useless. It can't add an inch to our height, and it can't add an hour to our lives. Worry will never meet the need. The Bible says that we are to cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. What worry does is it reflects the character of the unbeliever. In verse 32, it says, the pagans run after all these things. And one translation says, only people who do not know God worry about such things. We're people of faith. We walk by faith. And we understand that uh, it's God that always supplies. And there's times where it'll get real, but man, you always hear these testimonies. At the very last minute, God came through. I had a bill that needed to be paid, and God came through. I needed a, a vehicle because our last one, that was it, to gave up, and God came through. This is testimonies by individuals who know their God, who know that it is God that is the meter and the supplier, and the provider of all of their needs. Worry will keep you from putting God first in your life. Book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 22, says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus is saying the deceitfulness of wealth and worry, is, it'll choke the word of God right out of you. You ever, you ever choke on something? Years ago, they used to send us to uh, get CPR training, and um, they would train us CPR. They would train us in the Heimlich, abdominal thrust now. And we needed it because of work, the type of work that, that, I, that I do. Uh, we needed to be trained in that. And I was having lunch with uh, my coworker, who was also trained, and I must have inhaled it that the hamburger got stuck in my throat. And all of a sudden... I knew I was choking because I, that, that, I could feel that oxygen leave. And my eyes got big, and my coworker, his eyes got big, and he goes, are you choking? And, and I'm doing this sign, right? And he froze. He sat in his seat, and he froze. And I'm waiting for him to put that training into action, and he just stood there looking at me. Thankfully, they, said, they trained us that if you're by yourself, you know, you find that spot and then just run into a wall, run into the table, something. And I just ran right into the table, and out came that hamburger rolling across the table. And he looked at me, and he goes, oh, man, I froze. That was a scary moment because I 
This is how it happens. Oh, man. But I, I use that illustration because I felt, I felt my oxygen leaving. And, and oxygen is what gives us life. And Jesus brings home that point. If you're worried about these things, if you're worried about these wealth and, and, and how, you can, how the, the need is going to be met, if you're worried, what you're saying is that God can't do it, that God can't come through, that God can't meet the need, that God is smaller than that issue that you're worried about. We know that God is greater than that issue. We know that God is greater and that he is the, the way maker, that he's never, ever, ever failed us, and he won't start with whatever it is you might be facing right now. As I wind us to a close and the worship team comes up. Book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What is it that is preoccupying you today? What is it that you might be worried about? The Bible is saying, don't worry about that issue. Pray about that issue. You have access to the king. You have access to the father. He knows you. He knows you by name. The Bible talks about not one hair on your head will fall without him knowing and those needs that you have, they might seem impossible. But we serve the God of impossibilities. We serve the God, a God that who time and time and time again has always shown himself faithful and has always shown himself true and has always shown himself to honor his word. That he's a blesser. He's, and all good things, all good things come from him and the Bible says to thank him thank him for what he has done you're saying well I still am looking at this need well thank him thank him now don't wait for him to do it just thank him now because you know his track record you know that he is always on time and never fail us we do walk by faith but the good news is we don't walk alone. We don't walk alone. God is with us. He goes before us. He walks alongside of us. And he covers our rear guard as well. And when we're partnering with God, when we're allowing God to be our first priority, our first love, we're allowing God God to guide us and to direct us and to lead us. And at times, yeah, it could be like, well, you know, where are you taking me, God? Sometimes God just wants to take you a little deeper. Sometimes God just wants to stretch that faith. Sometimes God's saying, I got something for you. But you need to trust. 
And you need to put your faith not in what you see, but what is unseen. Because what we see is temporal. It'll pass away. But the God we serve might be unseen, but he is real. He is real. He is real. And he wants to do a work in each and every one of our lives. If we can have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.